0: I guess most of you are looking ready, so here we go. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, Yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him, and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation To Jerusalem but I understand there's lots of hills Around the city. And uh, among all the hills, there are two famous ones. It's the best if I just turn this off. Here, we'll turn it off. There's two famous hills. One is called Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. It's outside the city gate where criminals are executed. And it's a barren place. But if you walk about 15 minutes east of Jerusalem, just leave the city gates and keep going east, you cross a valley, and you begin begin climbing the other side, and uh, that hill goes up about 2,000 feet, so it's quite a climb. And that area is known as the Mount of Olives. Now, as the name suggests, there are many olive gardens on the sides of the slopes, and at the base of the mountain, there's one particular garden that's called Gethsemane, and the name means olive press. It's a place where olives would be harvested and they would gather them together and they would crush them uh, underneath, roll them underneath stones or roll the stones over top of them to uh, extract the oil. All week, Jesus had been crossing this valley in and out of the city with his disciples. Uh, He would leave in the morning, go down from Gethsemane, Mount of Olives, cross the Kidron Valley, the 15-minute walk into town into the city, into the gates, teach in the temple for the day, and then come back at night with his disciples. So you can see this group of men crossing the valley morning and night. But tonight was different, because this is the last time they are going to come out of the city. And Jesus had just celebrated Passover with his disciples in the city. And he had told them that, you know what, this year I'm going to be the Passover lamb. For Jesus had come to the city with one purpose, and that's to die on the other hill, Golgotha, on the other side. But it all starts tonight in Luke 22, verses 39 to 46. We've been learning about discipleship, folks, for the last month or two. And uh, we've learned from Luke's gospel, a disciple is one who simply follows. It's not a real complicated word. If you're a disciple of somebody, you follow them, you watch what they do. They demonstrate it, and then you follow them. You do what they do after they invite you to do so. And in Luke 9, Jesus says simply, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be one who follows me, you must take up your cross daily and follow me to the place of execution. And so this is what Jesus has been doing all along, all through the gospel with his disciples. He's saying to them, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to take up a cross. I am going to be nailed to it. I am going to die. And I will be raised again to life after three days. Now follow me. And so they're kind of wondering what this is all about. But they follow him and they end up in the city. And they've been there for the week now. And where Jesus goes is to his execution. He says, come along with me too. If you're going to be a, if you're going to be a follower of me, you must come to your own execution. And we've learned that there is a difference, even scripturally, between those who simply believe in Jesus as Messiah and Savior and those who actually follow him to the place of death and execution. Believers will not place themselves under God's authority. Even though we believe in Jesus and we'll accept heaven and will accept salvation, we will not follow because our ego is still in control of our own life. And Jesus says you can live that way but you will not experience the eternal quality of life that I have for you. But a disciple will. A disciple will follow Jesus even to the place of execution and will take up the cross and die upon it. So today we're going to watch Jesus struggle with his own choice to follow the will of his Father. Because Jesus' pattern is always to demonstrate for us, I'm going to show you what I do, and then I invite you to follow me. And do the same thing. And then we're going to celebrate communion. And I hope that you can see today that the cost of following God's plan for your life is not easy, even for the Son of God. This is the most difficult night of his life. And he invites us to come and to follow him into it. Now, you've been sitting for a while. Why don't you stand with me and we'll just pray pray. Father, this is holy ground. I mean, all of your scripture is holy and is truth. But uh, here is uh, uh, especially holy place, this mountain, the Mount of Olives and then this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And we've been learning about what it means to follow you. And it means a death to self, a death to our ego and a willingness to take up the cross of suffering and to follow you to the place of death. And uh we've been considering that for the past several weeks so we just invite you lord to speak um, through your word by your spirit and invite us again as you always do to discipleship and we struggle with this lord but we understand it's the only way we will experience that eternal quality of life and the only way we will experience the purposes for which you've made us and so we do want to follow you even into this garden And uh, we also invite you to prepare our hearts for communion, to receive the fruits, the blessings of Gethsemane and Golgotha. And we ask this in Jesus' name, in your own name, and for your sake, and for your own glory, Father. Be glorified this morning. And we all sit together. Amen. Please have a seat. So there's three movements here uh, in this short passage. And as we go through it, verse 39 begins with... Jesus' normal pattern, notice what he says. Luke says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples, guess what they did? They followed him, because that's what a disciple does. He's been doing this all week, into the city, out at night, into the city, out at night. So this night, is, that That verse is nothing unusual. They just followed him wherever he went. Jesus did not change his habits uh, in the week to avoid Judas and the mob, who he knows is coming with swords and torches and the authority to kill him. But what he says to the disciples as he gets to the, to the garden, t- this particular evening is, guys, you got to pray that you will not fall into temptation tonight. He has led his disciples to Gethsemane, and the name means all the press. And Gethsemane, I guess, is a place where ego is crushed or self-will or self-determination And the will of God is accepted. At the supper, just earlier in the chapter, he told them, he told his disciples, he said, You are the ones who have stood with me in my trial. And Peter says, Oh, yes, Lord, we have followed you. We will go with you to prison and to death. But Jesus knew better. Their test was coming now, too. Would they stay with Jesus or would they cut and run? Would they pay the price of following Jesus to the very end or would they save their own skins? Sooner or later, folks, the test comes to each one of us as well. Sooner or later, Jesus is going to lead you into the Garden of Gethsemane. And you may have been saved decades ago, but he will lead you to this place. And he will invite you to pray as well. Pray that you fall not into temptation, that you fall away in the time of your testing, that you will remain loyal, that you will choose the right thing. God has ways of raising this issue of discipleship with each one of us. And it will come to us in different ways. In different, uh, maybe it might come to you more than once in your life. Likely it will. But at each point, we must make a choice. Will we choose to save our own egos, our own life, as Jesus has been talking about? Or, we, or will we follow Jesus to the olive press, where the ego is crushed in the Garden of Gethsemane? So he takes the mare and he says, pray, guys, Pray. And then the second movement, he removes himself from his disciples and he goes and he prays alone. I don't know if you remember that scene in The, uh, the Passion, the play with uh, Mel Gibson did a few years ago. There's a very powerful portrayal of this. It was at night. And some things, folks, are just between you and God alone, particularly when it comes down to am I going to do his will or not? Am I going to receive it? Am I going to submit myself to the authority of God? Luke says that Jesus moved a stone's throw away. So whatever that would be, 10, 20 yards, whatever it is. And interestingly, we don't catch this, but it's very interesting. It says he says that he kneeled down. He went down on his knees, maybe even flat out. And that's a very interesting phrase because a Jewish man normally did not pray that way. The Jewish people would pray like this. The men would stand. Paul says, I want men to lift holy hands in prayer. You know, and the story of the Pharisee and the publican in praying. The Pharisee stood and he looked up. And, he, and this is how they normally pray. You normally don't pray now on your face, down on your knees. So we know something very difficult going on here. This is serious. Because all of Jesus' earthly life has led to this point, to this night. And it is now time, he understands, to lay down his life literally and die. And the question for Jesus is, will he do it or will he seek a more comfortable path? It's not automatic that Jesus is going to do this. We sort of think, well, yes, he's God. He's the son of God. It's easy for him. Uh, you know, it's, it's a no brainer. Oh, yes. You know, this or this. Of course, I choose the Lord's will. But he had a will. He had an ego just like the rest of us. He's fully human. And so he struggles with this and his struggle with accepting the will of the father for his life takes the form of prayer. And that's the best form of struggle. And it was it was like a wrestling. And the word picture that hit that comes to Jesus mind is that of a cup to drink. And it's it's a cup that is foaming with God's wrath against every evil, every injustice, every form of sin that has ever occurred and we might think that the thing jesus feared or was struggled with was the actual physical aspects of his trial and and his execution but the scripture indicates otherwise the scripture indicates that what jesus struggled most with what is facing the wrath of god and the separation from his father in the Old Testament, the wrath of God is often expressed as, as a cup that somebody has, has to drink. Psalm 11, verse 6. On the wicked, the psalmist writes, God will rain fiery coals and sulfur. A scorching wind will be their cup. It's judgment. Psalm 75, 8, he writes, In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its last drinks. Drinking this cup of God's wrath is the price that Jesus was being asked to pay to bring freedom and grace and eternal life to us. And he looks down as he kneels into the face of this cup, and he prays. And we see the intense struggle that Jesus has With the will of his father. His whole life has led to this. And it is as if this were possible. Think with me. God is struggling with the will of God. That's something. Father, he says, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. If there's any other way to satisfy your wrath and bring salvation to your people, now would be a pretty good time, Father, to bring it up. Here's the humanity of our God, of our Savior. And we might think it's easy for Jesus to do the right thing, to surrender, but it's not. It's intense. Luke says an angel came, was sent from heaven to strengthen him. And our Father does not force his people to accept his will, he strengthens them. And it gets more intense. Luke says sweat pours off of him and it was dripping and it was was as if it was a wound and, and it was just dripping like blood from a wound. He's struggling with accepting the will of God. And, you know, folks, that's the toughest thing you and I will ever have to do, too. But the struggle does not go on forever. There is a point at which you say yes or you say no. And I see this as the hinge point of human history, of salvation history, the point at which Jesus says, "Father, to your will, take this from me, if there's any other way, yet if there's no other way, yet not my will, but your will be done." This is the essence of discipleship, of following God. Gethsemane, the olive press, <laughs> has actually done its work. Jesus says, "Not my will." Not my way, Lord, not the way of the ego, not the way of comfort, not the way of avoiding pain, not the the way of avoiding your will for my life so I can have comfort. But your will, he prays, I take I willingly accept the way of suffering. I willingly die to ego. I willingly accept your will for my life, even though it's going to cost me. This is not easy for God the Father either. If we think it's easy for God the Father in heaven to watch his son struggle, listen to this story. Uh, This is a man named Tim White writes. He says, in the first 15 years of of his life, our son Ryan had over 30 surgeries. When he was about eight years old, he was in hospital for another surgery. The medical staff had already given him the Barney juice, which is a purple liquid that they they mix uh, something like morphine in it. Then the medical staff began to roll his bed to the operating room. As usual, we went with him to the two big doors that led to the place of the the surgical theater. That is where we stopped. And we told him it would be okay for the last time before the surgery. This day, as we got to the doors and they opened, he sat up in the bed. He looked me in the eyes and he pleaded, Daddy, don't let them take me. At that moment, my heart was broken. I would have done anything to take him off that bed except for the fact that he had to have the surgery. That knowledge didn't help the pain in my heart at all. I just stood there trembling as the door closed and he disappeared. And that's when I broke down into tears. Shortly after, when I was asking God, how could such a good love hurt so much? I realized that God the Father had gone through the same thing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Translated into the language of a child, it would be something like, Daddy, please don't let them take me. I allowed the surgeons to take my son for his own good. God allowed the crucifiers to take his son for our good. That is how much our God loves us. Jesus gets up from the prayer. It's over. He's decided. It's done. He will accept. He will pay the price. He will follow through. He comes back. He sees the disciples. They're knocked out cold, sleeping. But it's interesting because Luke says they were exhausted from sorrow. They were struggling as well. But he challenges it. He says, get up. You're sleeping. Pray against temptation. You know what, guys? Your Gethsemane is coming too. And so today... I thank God that none of us is as ever asked to drink the cup of God's wrath. We don't have to. Jesus drank it for us. But God's plan is to bless us first, but then also make us a blessing to others. That's his plan for each one of us. And in order for that plan to be achieved, we are then asked to take up the cross and follow Jesus to the place of the skull by means of the place of the olive press and to die to our egos and accept the life that he has for us. Sooner or later, folks, God is going to lead you into Gethsemane. And it may happen more than once. It's the place of wrestling, the place where the ego is crushed. And God does not crush our ego. We do. That's our choice. We do this. It's the place of decision. And God does not force you. He ministers to you. He understands the struggle. He sees it. But it does get intense. I mean, my ego wants I just want a comfortable life and I want to go to heaven when I die. That's what I want. That's what my ego wants. Nobody wants this suffering thing. Nobody wants this will of God thing. And so we can say no. At any point. But as we do so, we say no to God's purpose for each one of our lives. And we also say no to an experiencing a quality of life, life in the spirit, eternal life, that Jesus has promised only to those disciples who follow him. This is not easy for God. This was not easy for Jesus. It's not easy for you. But welcome to Gethsemane, because God has led us here. Let's pray together. Father, this is very serious business and we recognize um the intense struggle that your your son faced and we see that this was not easy and that Jesus you even asked if there's any other way than the than than drinking this cup made that happen, but it was not. There was no other way. And Father, you watched your son struggle. And you struggled together, but Jesus, you prevailed. You said, not my will, but yours, Father, for the sake of your people, for the sake of salvation, for the sake of bringing eternal life to us today. You you, um, went to the olive press (laughs) and you followed through. So, Father, as we struggle with our own personal Gethsemane's, I pray, Father, for the sake of my people here. Uh, who you've given as uh, to me to shepherd and my own life and our community here, Father, as you lead us to Gethsemane, may we encourage one another may we pray with one another, but may we prevail in this struggle to say not my own will, not my ego, but yours be done for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the purpose for which you've made us, for the sake of your glory, for the sake of us blessing Those around us, for the sake of finding our purpose in our lives, may we be willing to drink this cup as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.